Hey friends, before we start the show, I want to invite you to check out my brand new free training all about how you can start your own freelance business from home. In this completely free one hour training, I am going to share with you exactly how I was able to leave my full-time teaching job and replace my income by freelancing and how you can do the same thing too. We're going to talk about how you can find skills that you already have and what services you can offer, as well as what you need to actually get started today. So you can go check out my brand new free training. It's my gift to you at aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. That's aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. And we will link that up in the show notes for you. All right, now let's go ahead and dive on into the show. Hey friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today for an amazing guest interview that I did with my friend Kylie Kelly. And we are going to be talking about how you can use online summits, not only to grow your email list and your audience, but why collaborations and online summits are becoming so big and why they are the answer to probably a lot of the business problems that you face. And I was really interested when Kylie suggested this topic because I've been a part of summits before I've joined in, but I've never been the one organizing it. And this is what Kylie specializes in. So if you have been you know, thinking about online summits or maybe adding this into something that you are doing currently in your business, we're gonna walk through step-by-step of how you can do this, what it looks like, what kind of tech do you need? Do you need a ton of experience with online summits to be able to do this? We're gonna answer all of those questions inside this episode. So let's go ahead, dive on in and go meet Kylie. Welcome to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. This is the podcast for overwhelmed freelancers who are ready to simplify and scale their business so they can earn more and stress less. I'm your host, Aubrey Malik, and I'm a former elementary teacher who launched my own freelancing business, and now I want to share all my secrets with you. Each week, I'll be sharing business strategy, systems, and tactical tips that you can take into your business today so you can finally step into that CEO role you desire. Let's dive on into the show. Hey there, Kylie. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I am super excited for our conversation today. We have not talked about this yet on the podcast, and I know that it's going to be such a valuable conversation. But before we dive into that, I would love for you just to share a little bit about who you are, what you do, and if you want to share a little bit of your journey to the online space, that would be great as well. Of course. So as um, listeners might pick up from my accent, I am Australian. So I live just outside of Sydney in Australia. I'm a mom to two little boys. So I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So they keep me very busy. Um, But professionally, I'm also a business coach and maternity leave coach for CEO moms. So I specialize in helping women in different parts of their journey, whether they're wanting to plan and fund their own maternity leave, right through to whether they want to build their audiences. So I specialize in doing and hosting and helping them host uh, virtual summits that actually feel really good. So I call them holistic virtual summits because there's a lot of strategy that goes into online events, but it also needs to feel good for it to work. So that's kind of where I've landed now. Um, Previous to that, like I've had a whole self-employed life, if you will, before 
kind of leading up to the pandemic. I was actually a wedding photographer. I had a wedding photography studio. I built that up. I was traveling internationally for weddings. And then I had kids and I was like, what do I want to do now? I don't want to be traveling away from them. I don't want to be working every weekend. Um, And so the pandemic kind of happened at a really good time because it made me slow down and really evaluate that. And then um, obviously all my weddings canceled because of COVID. So I was like, okay, I need to, I need to make a choice. And then I pivoted into the online space and it's been just beautiful, Aubrey. It's been such an incredible journey, even just to meet people through the online world and connect with people on all, all parts of the world, right? All parts of the globe and, and help women that we're all struggling with the same things. We all have the same challenges. So to be able to connect and support each other through it has just been a beautiful transition. Yeah. Do you do any of the photography anymore or is that kind of like just a a, a passion thing that you like pick up your camera to take pics of your kids, but is that long and gone or you still yeah. do a little bit of that? Um, honestly, like if I need some extra cash, I'll still do a little bit of it. But um, the wedding side of things I've definitely let go of. I had done it for almost 10 years. And so I'd started to sort of feel the passion ebb anyway. Um, so if it's, it's, and it is a big day, it's a big event, it's a big responsibility and it wasn't lighting me up anymore. So I'm kind of getting really good at listening to my intuition. I would never used to be like that, but I've spent some time working on like making sure I'm listening to what I want and what my intuition's leading me to do. And if it's not lighting me up, I'm, I'm quite easy. Um, I'm easily saying no to it now, which um, has been a work in progress, but um, yes, I'm not doing much of the photos anymore, really. Yeah, I've I've actually been in a couple um, circles recently with some photographers, and that's like the that's the big thing for them. They're like, I'm tired of giving my weekends away, and you know that's especially as like kids get older and they start to get into school, they're like, that's our time together. And I'm you know especially during the busy season, they're like, I'm gone so much, and um, really finding a way to to make that pivot, which you have done so beautifully, which I'm so proud of you. Um, but still, like knowing, like you know, it, it was always something. Same with me with teaching. Like, yes, it's still there. I I still get to. Now it's in an interesting place too because I still get to kind of like scratch that itch without fully going back. I had people who were like, are you ever going to go back to teaching? And I was like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Like, And then finally I just drew my line in the sand. I'm like, no, but I will happily go in and volunteer in my son's classroom and support and then realize, like know that, hey, I can I get to go home and I don't have to deal with all the other stuff that goes with it. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's like, it's so important, especially as we become mothers and to realize we have permission to change. We have permission to pivot. We can decide what we want to do and what suits our lifestyle as parents now and what we prioritize. I think that's so powerful because gone are the days where we have to stay in the same job forever or we'll keep doing something if it doesn't actually fit with the mother we want to be or the woman we want to be. So, um, but yeah, I love that. You, I love that you get to do that. Yeah, no, it's so, I was actually just having a conversation on a podcast interview today where we were talking about that transition from the traditional type job and how there's a lot of people in our lives that might not get it. And I think it's, you know, maybe our parents or people who like, that's all they've ever seen is the traditional job. And even if you hate your job, you have to stay there because you have to support your family. And now we have this beautiful uh, gift of the internet where like our generation is saying, no, I don't have to accept that anymore. I don't have to just do this because either it's like what's expected or that's what my parents did. I can shift. I can pivot. I can do something completely different than what I thought I would be doing at the beginning of my life. So I'm glad that you took that leap too, because, um, 
I, I think what's what's the point in life? And if you're just going to be miserable the whole time, like why not enjoy it and why not do what actually makes you happy? Oh yes, a hundred percent. I'm I'm here for that conversation, and I think I'm lucky that um, when I first took the jump into self-employed life back when I was a wedding photographer, I was kind of in my mid twenties, and I'd had I was a really bad employee. I'd had so many jobs, <laughs> I had like skipped around, and it was kind of like the um, common joke in my family was like, "Oh, so where are you now? What are you doing now?" Because I used to change so often. So when I actually was like, you know what, I I'm not I'm going to quit and I'm going to be employed self-employed. I think my family were almost relieved. They're like, well, you can't, you know, you can't quit on yourself. You've got to stick this one out now. So I think they were relieved for that, a bit of stability. Um, and then obviously that's just been my life and and they've supported that, which is I'm really grateful for because I'm sure not everybody has that experience, especially, you know, older generations are very traditional and security means a lot to them being employed by someone else. But I think um, when they can see how that actually pays off and and they could see the difference in in happiness and fulfillment and you know the way that you get to do what you want and what you love and what you're passionate about and what what lights you up they're going to notice that shift so hopefully for anyone that's listening that is about to make that jump you know just listen to yourself do what do what's right for you and and I'm sure the people that are important to you will either fall in line or just disregard their opinion anyway <laughs> yeah it's you I, you said something funny I never even thought about this this that way about being like a bad employee like I, I was I was like for, on the surface I was a good employee because I was like I you know I you've had that feeling of like I have to do what I'm told but deep down inside I'm like I am such a rebel when it comes to that if you tell me to go left I'm going to go right just because you like I'm gonna buck the system so I like can totally relate to that because anytime somebody's like oh you have to do this extra thing with no extra pay I'm like but why why do we you know like I wanted to just rebel against all of that and I think that's why you know entrepreneurship has been so great for my personality because my parents used to call me like they would just be like you're stubborn as your middle name because I just wanted to do what I wanted to do and I'm like well it's it served me very well in my adulthood maybe not so much when I was a kid but definitely as I eventually out into entrepreneurship. No, oh, I love that. Yeah, it's paying off now. <laughs> yes, for sure. Okay, so I want to dive all into this virtual summit because I shared with you before we press record that I've been a part of online summits. I've you know spoken at them, but I love this idea of using it to really grow your audience, especially if you feel like I don't have an audience, I don't have people to sell to. Um, that this is a really great way to do it and you do it in a really holistic way, which I really want to talk about that. So if you could just give a brief overview, if you had to say like what a virtual summit, if, if someone's listening to this and they're like, I don't even, what is that? What does that even mean? Can you explain what somebody would find at a virtual summit? Yeah, of course. So really it's an online event, right? So it's an event that somebody hosts around a certain topic and they'll bring speakers to the event. You normally have to enter your name and email address to register. And then when the event kicks off, um, it's all done virtually. So sometimes they're done live, but most often they're pre-recorded. So you'd, you'd log in or you go to wherever they send you for the event start time and you'd watch presentations or listen to, to sessions that are going to impact your life and add value. Um, normally they're all the, all the strategy that I like to teach. And normally I do think they're free, um, but then there's always like upgrades for like bonus resources and things like that. So that's in a nutshell what a virtual summit is. Um, 
in saying that, Aubrey, they can come in any shapes and forms. The way that I like to teach them around the holistic thing is it has to feel good. So whether you want to do it for three hours as a live call using Zoom and a Facebook group, you can do that. Whether you want to do it for five days and have 40 speakers, you can do that. Whether you want to do just audio as like a private podcast feed and do that as a summit, you can do that as well. Like there's there's no rules, but in a nutshell, that's kind of what the events are. You need to register in it and it is to build your audience. So you're kind of borrowing from your speakers' audiences that are going to be promoting the event. You're, you're kind of borrowing their audience, right? They're bringing their audience to you as the host um, because you're creating this platform and so you're getting to build your audience through hosting the event. Okay, so then my next question is – like this sounds great and it sounds like a win-win, right, for everybody involved. Like everybody gets to give really great value. It gets to grow their audience. But I think my my next natural thought is like, okay, how do I, number one, pick that topic and then find the speakers that really are going to coincide with with that topic and also with my audience, right? Because I want to make sure that as as we're building this, that I'm getting people on my list. And I'm sure like, you know, for the people who are thinking about hosting a summit, like you're getting people on your list that will eventually want to invest in what you have to offer. So how do you, is there a strategy behind how to like curate that, that group of people? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's exactly right because you don't want to go to all the effort of hosting something like this and then end up with the wrong people. Like this has to be very intentional when you're building your audience like this. So the number one thing that I always recommend you have to be really clear on is who your ideal client really is. And not like in a, oh, she shops at Target and has 2.2 kids, like not in a um, way that you're categorizing them like that, but getting really clear on who your ideal client is, who you want to help, who you want to actually um you know, do do life with, do business with, who that person is, but then also what the biggest problem they have is. So I always recommend before you go down the path of actually organizing an event, make sure you're really clear on those two things. And if you're not, do market research, get into Instagram DMs, jump into Facebook groups. Um, so for example, if maybe you are wanting to work with mums in business like I do, jumping into Facebook groups and saying, you know, like, what are you struggling with right now? What are you overwhelmed with? Um, listening to the words that they use, listening to what challenges they have. Um, and that goes for any kind of niche or, or any ideal client, but making sure you're really clear on those first. Um, and then once you have that, once you're like, okay, I know that I want to do an event or I want my audience to be full of these kinds of people and this is the problem we're going to solve, then you can start looking for speakers that have an audience of that ideal client. So I'll give you some examples. So my very first summit that I did this year was called The Pregnant CEO, and it was all around helping women plan and find their own maternity leave. So the ideal client was pregnant entrepreneurs, and the problem I was solving was helping them see that they could take maternity leave and then how to do that. So once I was really clear on that, I could then jump onto Instagram, jump onto like my even podcasts and who talks about it and, and find experts in different fields that could help them plan and fund their own maternity leave. Um, and I was looking for people that had an audience of entrepreneurs, that had an audience of female business owners, um, so that I could make sure that there was a really good connection between the audience that was attracted to the event and the event I was hosting and, and what I was then building. Okay. Now, my next thought is we we have a topic, we have a list of speakers. 
my overwhelmed side of it is like all the tech that's involved in organizing this and what's all needed to, you know, get in touch with all these speakers to make sure you have everything that you need for them to do all the promotion, to make sure that they're doing the promotion. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's probably a simple way to do it. Um, What have you found in your experience makes the event go off um, without too much tech and behind the scenes and stress on the host um, and also ease for the speakers who are coming in to do this as well? Yeah, great question. So I think especially for the first time, the thing to remember is to try to keep it as simple as possible. We see often events online that are very elaborate and have so many moving parts. And I think if you get stuck in thinking that your event needs to be like that, especially the first time, we don't do anything because it's really overwhelming, right? It's, it's too much. So think about the simplest way you could do it. Um, my first event was a three-day event. Um, I had 30 speakers, which you don't need to have that many, but I am very, I have a very A-type personality. I do like to be organized. I love spreadsheets. It's kind of my love language. So for me, that worked really well. But if you're not like that, you don't even need to have, you could have 10 speakers. You could host, um, so, because as I mentioned before, they're pre-recorded presentations generally. So they'll, the speakers will record a presentation and send it into you. Um, so then all you need to do is have like a video hosting platform. So you could use Vimeo, you could even use YouTube. Um, you can stream it to a Facebook group. You know, people could register for the event. You give them access to the Facebook group. You've got their email address. So that's all you need for your list build. Give them um, access to your private Facebook group. You can post the videos in there. You know, you can keep it really simple without it being too complicated with funnels and timers and all the bells and whistles. Um, Organization is a big part, especially if you end up having a lot of speakers. Um, So I use things like Airtable or even just Google Sheets to keep track of everything as to like what you've received, what you need to follow up. You know, you can use email swipe copy or, or email templates to make it really simple. So you're copying and pasting it, especially if you have a lot of speakers so you're not repeating yourself a hundred times. Um, but I would also suggest it's really easy if you start to think about all of this to not take action, right? Because when you're thinking about like, oh my gosh, all this work and it is, you know, an event is a lot of work, but it can have a lot of payoff as well. So I've been able this year in five months, I was able to grow my list from zero. So at the start of the year, I had no one on my list and I was able to grow it up to a thousand of my ideal clients, which is kind of Mm life-changing in less than five months through using two events. So keep in mind that it's worth the hard work, but you can keep it simple especially the first time. It doesn't mean your results will be any less. It doesn't mean um, anything more than like whatever you need to take action. I encourage you to do that. Keep it simple. Don't get overwhelmed with the tech. Don't Google a hundred options. Just just pick the first one that comes to mind. Look at what you've already got. Look at the existing tech stuff you already are using because you're, you're probably familiar with that um, and just try to make it really simple the first time around. Yeah, I, and and I also like I I'm I'm so much of the mindset that like your your first go around with anything, no matter what it is, whether it's a virtual event or your your first time you put an offer out there, like it will not be the final draft. It will not be the best it ever will be because there's so much knowledge in actually taking the action, and you will learn like wow that like was really really great. Like this part of 
that event went off without a hitch. Like I love that. But you know what? The tech side of it, like that probably could use a little bit of work. So maybe next time, like I, if, you know, if this is something I want to continue to do, like I can always revamp and always try again. And so that's how I, I view anything because it's, you're so right. Like it does feel very overwhelming. It does feel like, where do I even begin? Um, and so knowing that it's okay, that it doesn't have to be perfect. I think really what is probably more important than any, anything other like, you know, not really the tech, it's really about finding the speakers that are going to bring high value to your audience. Cause that's, you know, that's what, we want, right? As, as hosts, if we're, if we're hosting something like we want the people who are coming to this to feel like, Hey, I just got a ton of value. And all I had to do was give my email address. Like, wow, that was amazing. And that's, that's going to give so much more buy-in for them to want to uh, like be a high value lead on your email list than somebody who was like, me, I, you know, I didn't really find any value in this. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, taking any action is better than none at all. I always like to give that analogy of like, how hard is it to push a car that's not moving? Whereas um, if a car is in motion and you have to redirect it and push it and it's so much easier, right? So like think of that first event as like getting you started. So keep it simple. Um, focus on building great relationships with speakers. So focus on the speakers that you want to want to connect with. I love just sending like voice notes on Instagram or like really personalizing your outreach, getting to know them because you'll be amazed at the opportunities that come after an event like this. So when you pull people together and you're all on the same page, delivering amazing value, having a great time, and then post the event you know, there's going to be more collaborations that come out of it. There's going to be podcast interviews or like other events or bundles, or like all the things, right? So um, love on your speakers as much as you love on your attendees. And this is just going to make your business explode. So as far as audience growth goes, as far as like brand awareness and awareness of you, as well as relationships. Um, and I'd love to add as well, Aubrey, it's like these events just fast track everything. So, you know, um, traditionally, if you were to have like a lead magnet on your website, right, or if you had like a freebie that someone opts into and they go into your email list, maybe you're emailing them once once a week. Um, hopefully you're emailing them once a week, but like it takes them a while to get to know you. It takes them a while to warm up, to even be ready to work with you, right? But these events fast track that so quickly because they're seeing you as the host, as the expert, yes, but you're showing up, you're serving them, you're loving on them. They're seeing you all the time. So I always encourage um, – the host of an event to, to make sure you're as visible as possible. So if you have the Facebook group, I'd be going live in the morning and being excited for what's to come and then doing a wrap up at the end of the day and maybe hosting if you wanted to host something live like a like a networking event or a co-working event. Or it could be super chill. It doesn't have to be stressful and, and super professional. It can be just a relaxed event to get to know people. But things like that, just fast track that relationship. So by the end of the event, they know you, you know, and they're going to really respond more to than the emails that you're sending, even just your normal weekly emails you're sending afterwards. They're going to be replying to them. They're going to want to work with you. They're going to want to be connected or stay connected with you because it's just been this beautiful start of the relationship. So I just think they're really powerful to be able to fast track that process. And like as busy, you know, like any listeners that are mums building a business, you know, we're busy. We don't have time to like wait for six months for somebody to warm up to be able to then see the fruits of that relationship. I think it's just great to be able to fast track that so quickly. Yeah, you're so, so right. I, I love that. And I I've can totally attest to 
the relationships and the collaborations that have come from being a part of summits and how that it's, it's not a one and done thing. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm just going to come speak at this event for you. It's like, okay, like, you know, they're going to think of me in the future or they're going to be able to, hey, you should get connected with Kylie or with Aubrey because she does this and it would be perfect. Like, it's just going to, it's, it fast tracks not only, like you said, your audience, but also um, the relationship for collaborations, which I know that um, you and I feel the same way about collaborating with people and how important that is for your business. Um, and I do want to touch on that collaboration piece because one thing that I have heard from the, from virtual summits is, well, like, I, you know, the idea of virtual summit sounds great and I would really love to do this, but, or I have done this and like nobody promoted or the speakers that I had didn't, didn't promote or didn't follow through. So do you have any um, rules around like for people who are coming in to be speakers, like they have to commit to promoting so many times. Um, how have you navigated that? It's tricky. I'll be completely honest. <laughs> I, I found it really tricky the first time, but I always set expectations. So when a speaker puts their hand up, goes, yes, I'd love to be involved. I say, well, this is kind of what I expect from you as a speaker. But then again, I come back to like what I want it to feel like. I don't want to be like micromanaging them on their email list, making sure they sent that and following mm -hmm. up with them say, why didn't you? Because that just feels gross, right? That just, mm -hmm. it's like, no, no, no. I want to be able to collaborate and trust that you're going to share this. You know, if you're as excited as I am, you're going to, you're going to want to share this. Um, and most people do. You're going to always have speakers that probably have their own stuff going on, that forget, that just aren't as proactive as you'd like them to be. That's always going to happen. But just remember that majority of the time, most of them are going to want this event to be a success because A, they love what you're about. They love the energy that you're about. Um, and, you know, they want it to, to benefit their business as well. They're going to want it to see the results as well. So majority of people will definitely um, do as you ask, but you'll always have those speakers that don't. And don't let that kind of, you know, mess with your head. Always remember, you know, think the best of everyone. Do what you can to make it easy for them. Supply them with like promotional graphics, um, which don't have to be fancy. Just do them up in Canva. But promotional graphics really help. Um, email swipe copy that they can almost like copy and paste and just personalize really helps. Like try to make it as easy as possible. Um, and I always in the summits that I've ran as well, I always like to offer like additional promo stuff like, hey, do you want to do an Instagram live together? Do you want to do a podcast interview together? Like what can I do to make it really easy for you to share about this? Um, and that's really, really helped and really benefited it as well. But um, yeah, don't, I, I probably wouldn't recommend like um, leaning over their shoulder, you know, like really <laughs> watching what they're doing because that just doesn't feel nice. Like remember you want it to feel good for yourself and the speakers and remember that relationship after the event's important. Um, but just make it as easy as possible and, you know, just trust that they'll, they'll do their, their part and, and it'll all come together. Yeah. I love that advice. That's so true because it's kind of, it's looking at it like, I mean, we're all adults, right? And I I can definitely attest to like, there have been times where like I have unfortunately let things slip through the crack. I really try hard not to, but it can happen. Um, but like I, I'm, I'm a person that I will beat myself up about it enough. And then to be like, well, why didn't you, why didn't you send this? And so I it would, it would make me feel 10 times worse to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I, you know, forgot or I spaced on this. So I, I love that advice and kind of trusting in your speakers too. And I think for the most part too, if you're, if you already have, um, 
somewhat of a relationship before that with the speaker, I think they're going to want to support it too, because obviously the more that they promote it, the more people um, it's going to benefit all around. So I, I love that. I think the last question that I have is for somebody who is a kind of a solopreneur right now, and they're thinking like this, this sounds really great, or I've been thinking about doing a virtual summit. I haven't been too certain about it, but after hearing this episode, I think I want to move forward with it. What would you say is like the first piece of advice or even just kind of like a, a good mindset to have going into this so that they can um, tackle this, but then also like feel really good about no matter what the results were, like even if it's a total flop or um, just any piece of advice that you have around that. Yeah, of course. I think uh, I think the first thing is to try to get out of your own way, <laughs> which so often, and I'm not sure I'm not sure about yourself, Aubrey, but I, I'm like a recovering perfectionist. It's not really recovering, right? So like if things aren't perfect, I find it really hard to still take action and it's a constant work in progress to like overcome that. So I think the main thing with anything like this and like we've talked about already is to keep it simple, try to get out of your own way and just take action. Know that the first time won't be perfect. Things tech will probably fail. You know, some people might drop the ball and that that's okay, that it's the first time and, and you can always make iterations and, and make it better the second time around. I'd also suggest before you even start this process, get really clear on what you want it to feel like. I always recommend, and I do this now myself, before I do anything like this, I sit down and I journal about what do I want this event to do for someone? So the woman or your ideal client, maybe it's a man, whoever's coming to this event, how do I want it to feel? What's this event going to actually do? How's it going to impact them? And get really clear on that. And I journal that out because then that helps me kind of decide my messaging around the event so that I'm coming to it from a place of like positivity. And so they can start to like dream the dream, right? They can start to dream what what's possible rather than like the whole FOMO negative thinking side of the marketing, you, you know, that bro marketing stuff that's, that's you know, just gross. So mm -hmm. I always like to kind of like to dwell on the possibility of what the event could do for that person. But then I also like to journal and script about what, the, what I could, who I could be as the host of the event. So how's this event going to feel? How am I going to show up? How am I going to um, be the best version of me? And I like to make sure I'm really clear on those two things before I start to plan an event, because that way it's, it's just a really nice way to make sure that we're not getting too stuck in the strategy, too stuck in the, the to-dos, and we're making sure that we can also be the person and the woman that we want to be as we host things like this because then it's going to feel good um, and then you're going to be amazed by the results because people can feel that energy even, even when it's online, even through um, you know the copy you might share on Instagram or the live videos or like however you end up promoting it, people feel that energy and if you can be in a really good place when you're planning it, they're going to be magnetized to the event. Speakers are going to want to say yes. You're going to be surprised at how many yeses you get and um, you know, you're not going to feel any resistance or, or less resistance there. So I, yeah, I just encourage everyone to make sure you hop out, hop out of your own way, take some action. It can be messy. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, go for it and just make sure you're in a really good place um, from a mindset point of view before you get started. I love that advice. Such, such good advice. It rings so true no matter what you're doing, but specifically if you're wanting to host one of these events. So I love that. You've given me some ideas in the beginning, you were talking about a 
private podcast. And I'm like, ooh, that could be really cool to have a whole private podcast with all these different speakers in these episodes. So my wheels are spinning. I know my listeners are going to be um, jotting down notes and thinking about how they can incorporate this into their lead generation strategy. So thank you so much for sharing all this with us. And I would love for you to let us know where we can come connect with you, learn more about what you have to offer and to just learn more about you. Yeah, of course. So the best place to connect is Instagram. I'm on there all the time. Um, So if you send me a DM, make it a voice note, you'll get extra points. Um, And I'm always happy to answer questions. But I do actually have a free private podcast series that you can tune into if you want to learn more about um, creating a summit, creating a virtual event that feels good and can grow your audience. So it's called The Audience Accelerator. And you can find that over at kyliekelly.com slash private. Love that. All right. Awesome. I'm going to have to check that out, Kylie. Thank you so much. (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. By sharing and reviewing, you can help spread the message so we can reach more entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their business to new heights. I will see you in the next episode.